Hi, this is Chris Baldwin, a.k.a. Fight Goddess with Skull Combat Sports Equipment, and you are listening to Eddie Goldman with No Holds Barred. everyone around the world. Once again, this is Eddie Goldman on No Holds Barred. On Thursday, July 1st, we once again spoke with our colleague Chris Baldwin on the War Room on Angry Afro Radio. She's posted the videos of this discussion on the Angry Afro Radio YouTube page, and on this edition of No Holds Barred, we have the complete audio. The Tokyo Olympics is still set to start July 23rd, despite a new surge of COVID-19 cases in Tokyo and the rest of Japan, and even worse surges and lockdowns in many countries. Besides endangering the health and safety of the Olympic athletes and the people of Japan, the IOC and their Olympic federations have pursued discriminatory policies and practices, including the discriminatory policies of world athletics against intersex athletes, which have kept two-time Olympic gold medalist Kester Semenya out of the Tokyo Olympics. Note that we recorded this show before the final news of Castor Semenya being out of the Olympics was known, and also before the news about the ridiculous suspension of American track star Shikari Richardson for using marijuana was known. We strongly defended the human rights of all LGBTQ athletes and those of all other athletes to play fight, train, and compete. Besides more discussion of the myriad injustices in the Olympics movement, we discussed the upcoming trilogy fight between Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder on July 24th, which few people want to see. We discussed the most likely outcome of this fight and how it seems that Wilder has become unhinged leading up to this fight and what that may mean when they do fight. But, before we get to our discussion with Chris Baldwin on the War Room on Angry Afro Radio, a word from the sponsors of No Holds Barred. No Holds Barred is brought to you by LennyHart.com, the home of Lenny Hart, the legendary MMA and sports announcer, voice actor, singer, actress, and comedian. Lenny is also known for her jazz vocals with her Lenny Hart Jazz Cabaret Band. For more information, to book her, or to order a custom message from her, go to LennyHart.com, that's L-E-N-N-E-H-A-R-D-T dot com. And Skulls Fight Shop, home of the Skulls Double-End Bag the perfect punching bag for your combat sports training. 
Skulls Double End Bags provide a realistic striking target and help improve speed, distance, and timing skills. Hang it and hit it right out of the box. No pump required. Skulls Fight Shop. Advancing combat sports equipment for the next generation of fighters. For more information, go to Skulls, that's S-K-U-L-L-Z, fightshop.com. And Adolfina Studios, original art prints and handcrafted fine jewelry. For more information, go to Etsy.com, that's E-T-S-Y dot com, slash shop, slash Adolfina Studios, that's A-D-O-L-P-H-I-N-A Studios. Also, please subscribe to the No Holds Barred page on Patreon for much more No Holds Barred content, that's at Patreon.com, slash Eddie Goldman. Now, you can also support our independent, no-holds-barred journalism by purchasing items such as t-shirts, hoodies, tank tops, mugs, pillows, masks, and even mini-skirts at the new No-Holds-Barred with Eddie Goldman shop on Red Bubble. It has also been recommended to me that people choose sizes on the large side, as some items may run small. You can browse all the items for sale and then place an order at redbubble.com slash people slash Eddie Goldman. Hello everyone around the world. Welcome back. This is Eddie Goldman, No Holds Barred. Welcome back to the War Room, my beautiful people. It has been a minute, but I am back and I'm here with my boy, Eddie Goldman from No Holds Barred News. And Eddie is in the house today. We're going to bring up uh, quite a few topics. We're going to start off with pride, though, okay? So, Eddie, welcome to the War Room, brother. What's going on today in your world? Well, glad to be with you, even though we're recording on July the 1st. You know, the, these these holidays are set up. Pride Month, Black History Month, and, and things like that. They represent historical events, but... Really, they should be honored 12 months out of the year. So that's that's what we're going to do. We also didn't have a chance during June to talk too much about that. So we're going to catch up a little bit on it. But I don't think people should just be restricted to these formalistic celebrations and say, well, June is over. We can't talk about that. Let's talk about anything else oh no well we were i was away in june because my nonprofit, my little lesbian nonprofit, is a lgbtq women's and non-binary pro- nonprofit. but we hosted women's freedom festival uh co-sponsored by the city of west hollywood and she angels foundation uh on june 19th and it was a worldwide event four hours of lgbtq art and music and celebration. It was just a beautiful event. So um, yes, I agree. It, it's about pride every single day, whether it's black pride, brown pride, indigenous pride, LGBTQ pride, whatever your pride is, you need to wear it proudly on your sleeves, people. Exactly. So, exactly. So Eddie, um, tell me about, uh, there's a, some stuff going on. Uh, is this with, um, I, I read the transgender bill 
that the SCOTUS, I guess the Supreme Court upheld the transgender. Transgender people can use the bathroom, folks, okay? That's the bottom line. And you guys can't stop transgender people from, uh, from using whatever bathroom they, they choose. So, Eddie, you want to give us a breakdown on what that decision was about? Yeah, it's you can't have discrimination on the basis of sex, even before the Equality Act, which has to be passed in the Congress, and Biden has been for that all along. It's it's pretty clear you're discriminating on the basis of sex. Even with the conservatives on the Supreme Court, they're agreeing with that. If you're keeping a transgender person out, you're discriminating on the, the basis of sex. Aside from being cruel and absolutely stupid, this this panic about if a trans person uses a bathroom, what's what's going to happen? What what are the rate of rapes by trans people on cis people? What are the rate of rapes by cis people on trans people? And what are the rate of rapes on cis people on other cis people? I think we have some idea about where the danger of rape and sexual assault is coming from. But there's a concerted campaign by a number of these shadowy Christian right organizations with a lot of money to use this as a wedge and create fear and uh, panic among right. certain people, whip people up, people that believe that Fox News is anything else other than uh, nonsense and, and propaganda. And it's playing out in the world of sport. And they are getting aligned with, allied with certain of the feminist groups, certain women's feminist groups are joining this campaign to keep out trans women athletes out of sports. And this is coming to a head with the Tokyo Olympics, assuming it even takes place. And, you know, we can get to that, that uh, abomination a little bit later. But there's been a big attack that's gone on because a New Zealand weightlifter, Laurel Hubbard, who's trans, is qualified to make the Olympics. And apparently she'll be the first openly transgender athlete to compete in an Olympics. And she's 43 years old. And by the way, weightlifting could be cut from the Olympics because of the rampant corruption in the International Weightlifting right. Federation, years and years of covering up dope tests. A lot of this has been talked about on the Inside the Games and other websites. But she apparently, hopefully, is clean. And she's been pretty good at international competition. She she won silver at the 2017 World Championships and gold at the 2019 Pacific Games. She's had some injuries, as a lot of athletes do. She broke her arm uh, three years ago and recovered, and she's back, and she made it for New Zealand. And she has met all the requirements that the International Olympic Committee has for trans athletes to be able to compete. She transitioned at about the age of 35. As I said, she's 43 now. She was a pretty good weightlifter in those days in the men's division. And now... She's complying with all the rules. The IOC has these guidelines where 
you do not have to have the uh, the uh, gender or sex reassignment surgery, whatever the official name of that is, but you have to have a testosterone level of less than 10 nanomoles per liter for at least a year prior to competition, and that's from taking the, the various hormones that will cut down your testosterone. She's complied with all that. She's done all that. It can't be easy. It can't be easy for anybody to prepare for the Olympics, let alone to have their whole personal history written about in the world's media and campaigns organized against them. So she's been trying to do the right thing, play by the rules. And there was there's an interesting podcast called Translash that Amara Jones produces. I don't know if you've heard that one, but she really went in depth and she spoke to some people that I think it's called the so-called Alliance Defending Freedom, which is this cockamamie ultra-right theocratic organization that wants to ban Laurel Hubbard and is behind all these anti-trans bills in numerous states in the United States. A lot of it started in Connecticut when uh, two young black girls in high school won a uh, track race. And so a lot of the, the white cis women went to sue against them. Now, as far as I know, these two young women followed all the rules for uh, qualifying. Yet you saw a, whole, a combination of anti-trans uh, insanity and racism in trying to uh, get their results thrown out because they lost the goddamn race. Some people win, some people lose. It used to be, this is the attitude I was taught in wrestling, though it certainly wasn't consistent. If you lose, you got to improve yourself and do better. Absolutely. Don't start blaming people. Don't start looking for excuses, even if there are problems. If you lost the damn race, Train harder and get better. And if you can't, if the other person is better than you, so be it. Congratulate them on that. And live with that and learn the lessons and move on. But you have all these entitled people, bigoted people, are going absolutely nuts about this. And you also have some of this being assisted by an organization, World Athletics, which used to be the IAAF, that runs athletics, or in the U.S., we you know, in the U.S. is give different names to these sports. We call it track and field. So while the, the IOC has this uh, level of that you have to have less than 10 nanomoles per liter for a year to qualify, World Athletics, as it's now called, changed its qualifications and they set it at five nanomoles per liter, half the amount. And so what they've been trying to do, for example, is they have been working to keep out uh, Castor Semenya from right. the Olympics. And as I, I don't even know if she's going to be able to compete in the Olympics in her best events. She's somebody with a naturally, for women, high level of testosterone. Some have called her intersex. I don't know if that's the, the right term. Yes, yeah, she was she, born with both genitalia. Right. This is the way she was born. Right. She's passed every 
drug test. They have, in fact, a couple of years ago, at one of the Olympics, she finished second in the race to a Russian. But the Russian got disqualified for taking drugs. She didn't right. take the drugs, so she, you know, was moved right. up from right. silver to gold. She's, as far as I know, she's passed every one of these drug tests. But what they want her to do, they wrote these rules to keep her and other intersex women out of these races who all happen to be, surprise, surprise, African. They want to keep all these African women out to advance the careers of the European women. So again, you have this combination of uh, racism, national right. chauvinism, anti-trans, anti-intersex hysteria that's gone on. And she's lost a couple of cases, including at the so-called Court of Arbitration for Sport, which is about as neutral as the uh, GOP uh, Arizona uh, recount uh, tally that's going on, because it's, that is headed by John Coates, a longtime vice president of the International Olympic Committee and one of the key people organizing the Tokyo Olympic Games. So he's not somebody that is a, a neutral observer, and he's the one in charge of all that. So she, again, I don't know what the latest qualifications were, but they want her out. And this is part of a whole move, both by these right-wing theocrats, but also certain feminists that I've seen in certain feminist organizations that are trying to create a whole separation and contradiction between cis women, intersex women, trans women, non-binary women, and to create all this stuff. So it, it's, really, it's really disgusting. We don't know whether Laurel Hubbard will get a medal or not. That obviously remains to be seen. Thus far, no transgender athlete has gotten has won an Olympic medal. And the other factor, of course, as I mentioned, weightlifting, numerous countries are disqualified from competing in the Olympics because they've had so many positive doping tests. And instead of focusing on this, you see these, these uh, loony bins out there attacking Laurel Hubbard, who, again, she's followed the rules. She's done what everybody asked. But with, what's interesting is that in the U.S., you had a recent statement from USA Track and Fields uh, organization that CeCe Telfer, who had been an NCAA D2 track and field champion, will not be allowed to compete in the women's 400-meter hurdles at the Olympic trials because of she did not uh, meet eligibility requirements. And I don't know what was really spelled out, but it probably had to do with testosterone levels. So since World Athletics has these lower, this lower limit, it might have been, might have been there. It might have, she might have been a victim of that, that she won't be able to compete at the Olympics either. And her manager issued a statement to CNN that was very gracious. They, they said they're going to respect the U.S. track and field's decision and is one of these positive statements. I haven't seen anything from CeCe Telford since, but again, this would be speculation. If World Athletics were following the rest of the 
requirements in the uh, competing in the Olympics, she might have been able to compete because she, as I said, has been able to compete in college in the NCAA events and has, has done very well there. So World Athletics is keeping out Cece Telfer, they're keeping out Castor Semenya and others. Uh, she also um, has been involved with Franklin Pierce University in the U.S. We're going to see. We're going to see what happens with her. But it's really disgusting. And what the uh, what's interesting is that the the feminist anti-trans people. I think there's a the the term turf for that. Yes. They said, well, they should have a separate category. You have men's and women's athletes generally compete separately, which is obviously true. So you should put trans athletes in another category. That's a way of another way of a sneaky way of saying let's keep them out. Because how many trans athletes are there? You, how are you going to have an Olympics category for trans athletes when you have so few of them, or in track or wrestling or or any other sport that's out there? So what they basically want to happen is just attack trans people, take away their right to compete. And my view is that everybody should have a right to compete, whether you're going to be on the Olympic level or whether you were, you know, a lousy high school wrestler like I was, you should have the right to compete because of the benefits of sport and you do as well as you can. And some people have natural advantages. I wrestled people that were immensely stronger than me. They get me done. I couldn't move. Well, okay. I in those days I trained my ass off. I did what, and I'm assuming the other wrestlers did that I faced too. But they were stronger. I probably knew as much wrestling, but strength is is a factor in there. That's that's part of sports. That's part of of competition. That's part of life. So I think that the also, the the attitude, the the policy of everybody has a has a right to compete, has also come up in the Olympic movement regarding the rights of wrestlers from all countries to compete. And when I say all countries, you don't have to necessarily approve of what the government is doing. We're talking about the athletes. So you have a situation with Iran, where its Judo Federation was suspended by the International Judo Federation because they were forcing Iranian athletes to throw matches intentionally. So in a tournament, so they wouldn't have to face an Israeli athlete. Iran has a, yes, there was a whole article. I posted a link on it. CNN did a whole investigative report and the International Judo Federation suspended them. Iran has a lot of good judokas. And one of the sports that Israel excels in is judo. They've had world champions, medalists. So when you have people in that level, they're bound to meet at many of these tournaments that go on. So there was a case of Saeed Malai, who had been a world champion, who was doing well in a tournament. And they had all these big shots calling him saying, you got to throw your match. 
because if you win, your next match is going to be with an Israeli, and we can't have that. He was forced, as many athletes from Iran have been, to leave the country. He had a defect. He's now, he first went to, stayed in Germany, and now he's competing for Mongolia. And, and you've had a number of these athletes. You could look at the CNN article. I linked it on my uh, Twitter page that have had the same, the same situation. Or you've had women athletes that would post a picture of themselves without the compulsory hijab, and they'd get all kinds of threats. And they had to basically leave their countries. You have horrible conditions for athletes. And, of course, you had Iran uh, murdering the wrestler Navid Afgari. And, and even though he wasn't on, as an adult, wasn't on the Olympic level, he was a good wrestler. He trained with a number of Olympians. And they murdered him on trumped-up charges to suppress demonstrations going on against the economic and political oppression that exists with the majority of people by the Islamic Republic regime, by the mullahs and the IRGC and all these people that are completely screwing over the masses of people in Iran. So to me, it applies to that. And you certainly don't have to agree with what the government of Israel does to say that these Israeli athletes should be able to compete alongside everybody else. Same thing, you don't have to agree with everything the American government has done or these others. But if they break the rules, then you have to take a, uh, then you have to take a different position. So that's part of that, that general battle that's gone on. And of course, as we go to the Tokyo Olympics, Super Assuming that thing. goes on, yeah, that's turning out to be pretty much of a mess. Uh, the latest is that this is as of today, Thursday, 673 new COVID-19 cases in the Tokyo metropolitan area, up from 570 a week earlier, marking 12 straight days of week-on-week -week rises. That's from Kyoto News. And the capital's daily count topped 700 on Wednesday for the first time since May 26. Health experts have warned that at the current pace, the daily figure could balloon to 3,000 in August, which would be the last couple of weeks of the Olympics and the beginning of the Paralympics. And you already had this fiasco. And of course, who's going to get hurt the most by this are athletes coming in from countries with low vaccination rates or have used weaker vaccines like AstraZeneca or Johnson & Johnson. So recently when a delegation of athletes and coaches from Uganda arrived in Tokyo, they had been vaccinated already. They had tested clean before they got on the plane. And when he got there, one of the athletes tested positive. And then I think it was actually a coach the first time. And then there was a second positive from an athlete. So they had to put the whole, the whole team in quarantine. And, they, and a lot of these teams are staying outside of Tokyo. So they're traveling all over the place in Japan. And so what we're going to see, I'm calling it the, the Bach coach 
Tokyo variant of COVID-19 after Thomas Bach and, and Coates, because these are the people that have been, have been insisting on holding these games. And I don't know how many athletes are going to start to uh, say they're not, they're not going. I know we have some very high-profile athletes like Serena Williams who's had injuries and some other top-level tennis players who don't really have to worry much about the Olympics because they're the, the top money earners in professional tennis. But for other athletes, this is it. Right. This is the highest level they're going to be at. So you already had the weightlifters from Samoa have said they're not going to be going to the Tokyo Olympics. These are weightlifters who are qualified. And when you read the article, what's interesting, there will be other athletes representing Samoa who will be going to Tokyo. But these others are based outside Samoa. They said two in Australia, four in New Zealand, one in the U.S., and one already in Japan, which means that after the Olympics, they're going to be returning there rather than to Samoa, whereas these three weightlifters would have returned home to Samoa, and they want to keep the virus, they want to keep this out of Samoa. Right. I, don't know how, I don't know how often this is going to happen, but I frankly think that the athlete organizations that are all preparing for this have betrayed the athletes are bringing them into a horrible potential super spreader situation. And they're not standing up for the athletes. And somebody has to, because athletes don't always think of their own best interests. I and mean, we know from watching boxing, we see a lot of boxers getting beaten from, you know, one end of the ring to the other. And the referee or even the corner says, how you feel? Oh, I'm okay. I can go on. You can't leave it up to the athlete. And they've all been betrayed, whether they go there or whether they get pulled out. They've all been betrayed by this. And I think this will become clear as, uh, as time goes on. And, of course, the other aspect of betrayal is this so-called ban that was put on Russia because of the state-sponsored doping program, which was minimized by uh, – John Coates' Court of Arbitration for Sport. So instead of representing Russia, they're going to be saying they represent the Russian Olympic Committee. I mean, what's the difference? And right. they can't raise their flag and play their anthem if they win, but they can wear these uniforms that have a design based on the Russian flag. All these uniforms today have these designs based on national colors and symbols and so forth. So you're not going to be able to tell the difference. And this is so weak. For example, when you look at one of the uh, the worst uh, Olympic federations, UWW, the so-called United World Wrestling, has their seating out for the Olympics. And they list the athletes and the countries they represent. And they have them all, the Russians, who obviously Russia has a lot of great wrestlers, they all have them listed as representing Russia. And when they put out the seating on their Twitter page, they show the athlete and the weight class and the seating rank of the top wrestlers and their 
national flag. They had the Russian flag there. So they're just flouting this. Right. And not too many people are saying anything about this. This is an absurd. There's no real ban going on of Russia at these Olympics. So, and Eddie, whole, Eddie you know, do, you not, do, do you not get to interview people like Coates or you can't, like, request an interview to ask him? questions like, you know, why is he allowing, it? do you think he's being pressured by the networks? I mean, why do you think the Olympics are happening right now? Is it, no, is I haven't right? tried with people like that because I don't think I, they know who I am and I wouldn't get anywhere getting with them. And I know they just give a lot of crap. I've heard some people interview him and they just give him softball interviews. They all, he, those are the kind of things that he will take, or they will just have these short uh, online Zoom calls or press conferences where there'll be 25 or 30 minutes worth of questions, and they usually aren't. Sometimes they ask certain things, but the bottom line where they're doing this is money. They get about 75, the IOC gets about 75% of its income from the broadcast rights. But right. the bulk of that is Comcast NBC in the United States. And NBC has also been looking to push their new Peacock uh, streaming service, which has gotten zero traction among people by putting some Olympic events on there. But the whole thing is tainted now. And I don't know how much interest there is really gonna be in the Olympics because of the pandemic, while it's lessening in the US because we're starting to get high rates of vaccination, it's still here. People are still getting sick. There's a, there's a rebound in some areas, particularly places like Missouri, where you, you have a very low rate of vaccination, not surprising. And in certain countries have reinstated lockdowns, so which have had vaccination for a while, of one, one lockdowns of one degree or another, including in uh, the UK and in Singapore and a number of other countries have done that. And as we've seen, the situation is worsening in, in Tokyo after they too early relaxed the, the first, the, this other state of emergency. They're going to have to have another state of emergency as it looks like a fifth wave of infections from COVID-19 might be coming. So we know why they're doing it. I just don't, I wouldn't find any benefit to get propaganda from these people. So I've heard their interviews and they're not going to allow anything like this to, right. to go on. It's, it's not worth it. I would rather, I'll tell you who I would like to, to speak with at some point is uh, Mr. Grigorishin, a Ukrainian who's a big critic of the IOC. And he started the International Swimming League and a number, and he's trying to get a number of other leagues going that will be professional leagues for world-class athletes in sports that that do not have them again. So, and originally he was opposed by FINA, the Olympic Swimming Federation, but they had to back off because uh, the, the athletes were really were really pissed off at them. Uh, whether he's able to succeed, what the governance is. You know, we're going to see. Right. We're going to see where that goes. I'd rather try and track down somebody like that 
been wasting my time with codes. Right. All right. Well, listen, you guys, if you, um, uh, if you want to make a donation to support trans rights and their fight for liberation, then you guys need to go to the Transgender Law Center, and they are on Twitter at Trans Law Center. You guys give them a donation. Check them out. Give them a follow so we can support our athletes, support our, our uh, trans families, human rights, just basic human rights. What's going on? Yeah, in terms of boxing, we supposedly got a fight. In a oh, I don't want to see that shit. That's exit. That's right. I don't want a to third see that fight, shit. A third fight between Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder. Ooh. Which my view is that the chances are over 90% that Tyson Fury can win any way he wants to. Right. And he probably wants to go for a knockout again. Exactly. Wilder really seems to be unhinged when they had the recent press conference he sat there didn't say he said a couple of words at the beginning and sat there looking straight ahead with headphones on saying he's listening listening to music this is during the press conference that was being televised and streamed all, all over the place i think he's really unhinged they he's put up pictures of himself weightlifting which is not the best way to gain strength in boxing the the his time-tested ways of doing that. It's called boxing. You build up boxing strength. Right. And and I'm wondering, since it was recently the anniversary of the bite fight between Evander Holyfield and oh, Mike well, Tyson, yeah. with Tyson getting his ears off, I wonder if in this third unwanted fight, if Fury is able again to come forward and dominate and hurt Wilder early, I wonder if he's just going to flip out like Tyson did and foul Fury or just do something wacko. Because there's not much, you know, there's not much going on upstairs in Deontay Wilder's head if he's convinced himself that this fight is going to have a different outcome than the other two fights. His only hope is if Fury screws up, takes him for granted, doesn't train. Uh, there were pictures a few months ago of Fury had put on a lot of weight, but I don't know if he's, that's still a problem for him. So unless Fury screws it up and there's an illness or an injury, I think we're going to have the same winner as we've had. Of course, the first fight with some typical trickeration of boxing judges was declared a draw, which was preposterous. Virtually everybody in the world, except two of the judges and Dan Raphael had uh, Tyson Fury winning that first fight, despite the two knockdowns, two 10, eight uh, rounds of that. And the second fight, he got the stoppage. And Wilder came up with these conspiracy theories, he fired Mark Breland, who had been an Olympic gold medalist, a professional world champion, for throwing in the towel and protecting his fighter. I don't think Wilder has ever come to terms with that. So if he gets into the ring again and gets beaten up again, there right. could be a meltdown. Oh, my God. So I just watched the what's that press conference you were just talking about. Wilder comes out, 
sits down, and then here comes Fury with no shirt on. <laughs> right. Dancing behind him. That shit is crazy. Right. So let's see what they do, because I don't, it's, you know, like I said, this is not a fight that I want to see, but I do want this trilogy over so that we can move on to the next fight. What, what do you think that's going to be, Eddie? So if, if Fury, what happens if Wilder knocks out Tyson, though? What happens? Because that's going to be... I don't know what the contract says, but that would be a disaster for boxing. <laughs> Supposedly, Anthony Joshua is going to fight Alexander Usyk on September 25th. Oh, I'll but watch we haven't, that. We haven't had an official announcement on that, and it's the beginning of July. So what's the delay? We also supposedly were told a billion times that a Joshua and Fury were going to take place. So we'll see if that, but if this fight takes place, I think Joshua is going to be a big favorite. I don't think there's much chance of Wilder knocking out Fury. He's, he's getting old. He's 35. He's declining. He doesn't seem to be mentally stable. Again, he's, it's a heavyweight. He's a big puncher. But they've had 19 rounds in the ring before. Fury has won maybe six, at least 16 of those rounds. And even in that first fight, when he got knocked down hard in the 12th round, he not only got up, but he won the rest of the round. Yeah, so that was 10-8 for Wilder. Wilder has shown nothing. What's he going to show different this time? I, I think the, the chances are very, 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 very slim right. of that happening. Unless, you know, Fury's had a history of mental, uh, mental health issues. I just think it's, it's a very tiny amount a possibility of that, and I think Fury's going to go in with his confidence sky high. You can say, I beat this guy twice already, right. so now I just got to go in and do it again. Go in and knock him out flat on the canvas. Right, but here's the, here's the problem, that if this goes on and Fury beats Wilder, it's July 24th. If Joshua fights Usyk on September 25th and wins the fight, they're now out of sync from fighting together because if Joshua wants to wait say five or six months depending on how that fight with Usyk goes or seven months to fight again that's going to be a longer layoff for Fury who's already had a long layoff remember Fury hasn't fought either since February 2020 so are they going to want to fight to take place earlier so they, they by delaying the Joshua Usyk fight They've made it a little more difficult to finally have this Joshua Fury fight take place, and certainly not in late 21, in early 22. And meanwhile, you have these circus fights and these so-called celebrity fights, and people are going to all these kind of things, not so much boxing fans, but, you know, you're getting like MMA marks and people that don't really know anything about boxing buying these things. And grabbing up the pay-per-view dollars while the, the, the big fight that everybody wants to see isn't made. And this is the same thing in other weight classes, particularly uh, with uh, Errol Spence Jr. and Terrence Crawford has no signs of being made anytime soon. Right. Isn't Errol Spence fighting Manny Pacquiao? Yeah, supposedly. There were some legal issues there. Yeah, like... 
Legal issues? What kind of legal issues? It had to do with his management team, whether he had agreed to something else. You know, there's a, always a lot of uh, yeah. a lot of drama that's, right. that's going on. Interesting. But, right. It's another fight. I think that's for people that don't really know boxing are looking forward to that fight. Yeah, I would love to see Errol Spence and Ter Terrence Crawford in the ring together. That would be. Yeah. So as, as boxing doesn't have the big fights, these other these other spectacles jump in uh, the void there. Exactly. Well, let's see what happens, Eddie. I'm looking forward to uh, this Wilder Fury fight being over so we can move on to the next lame duck <laughs> fighting session. <laughs> what a man, what an absolute, what a way to run a sport. It's, right, it's just awful. But, you know, maybe somewhere in the ranks there's another Tyson coming up or somebody exciting we can see. I'd like to see that, like I said, I'd love to see that Terrence Crawford and Errol Spence fight. But, um, I just think I just think a lot of athletes who otherwise, over the years, would have gone to boxing, are going to other sports because they look at all this stuff, and they look at fighters getting exploited and getting hit in the head and all of this. So yeah, yeah, we've already seen that a lot of them going to sports like in the U.S. going to the NFL, going to basketball, baseball. Yes, yeah, some. Well, baseball, particularly with African American fighter fighters um, and and athletes, I don't think you'd have as many <clears throat> to baseball, because baseball is now doing a, an unofficial ethnic cleansing of keeping out African American ball players unofficially. The numbers are now very low as they were in the 1950s before you had a great influx of great players from the old Negro Leagues, Willie Mays, Hank Aaron, Frank Robinson, Ernie Banks, great names that all ended up in the Hall of Fame and are all legends and icons, because what, they've, what they're doing is, among predominantly white players, they get them from high-income families who could pay for travel ball when they're kids and then go to colleges and play college ball but it costs a lot of money now not only for the equipment but to travel all over the country and to play in these competitive games for youths and also to go to these baseball academies that they send they send promising young kids to so that is predominantly white but what they do is they set up academies in places like the Dominican Republic right to bring in athletes from impoverished countries like that. And you have a very high percentage of Latin American athletes now in the major leagues who are certainly deserve that and do very, very well. But you have a much, you have a decline each year of black athletes, of African-Americans. For example, in the World Series last year, where you had between the Dodgers and Tampa Bay, there was exactly one African-American player, and that was Mookie Betts. So you have to be a guy like Mookie Betts, who had been an American League most valuable player. I think he finished second last year in the MVP. You have to be like an all-elite player on a Hall of Fame track, pretty much if you're a black player, to stay in the game rather than the sort of 
mid-level players, and they find it cheaper to bring in a lot of players from Latin America. Right. They could pay them less. Yeah, they could pay them less, and they would stay. They just jump at the chance. They also, since they're outside of the United States, they could sign them younger at age 16. You can't sign Americans under 18 to a professional contract like that, but they skirt the laws by by doing this. So it's a new type of segregation that's going on. And then they'll do Jackie Robinson Day and put up a Black Lives Matter uh, sign. And meanwhile, the, the number of black fans in the crowd, you could just look at that as has been declining. The number of, of black players is declining. It's an absolute, it's, it's, you know, it's related right. to baseball's over, overall decline that's gone on. Absolutely. Well, that's, I think, all we'll, the time we have today, Eddie. It's been one, a, one more thing. What people, you got? Well, there's another one of these social audio sites that's been set up. A new green. one? Yes, Spotify. <laughs> well, this one is getting a lot of people on, and the advantages of Green Room is that if you have a Spotify account already, you can use that. Or if you don't want to have a Spotify account, you could just sign up for it. It is not none of this invite stuff like Clubhouse. And for people who want to uh, set up rooms there, you can record. I haven't tried it out yet to okay. see how it works, but it means that you can do this for you can do this for a use the audio for a podcast. And there's both Android versions and iOS versions, not yet a desktop version. They all have to have desktop versions. And the one we thought was going to take over Twitter spaces, that's turning out to be a huge bust. It's a because, disaster. Yeah, if you look at Clubhouse and Green Room, if you look at their apps, you can follow people. And Clubhouse is even working on a separate messaging uh, part for direct messaging people that you, you follow on there. I don't, I don't know that that's active. I think they were just testing that. But they're working on all these things. Twitter doesn't even have a separate app for uh, Twitter spaces. You just got to look on your phone at the top to see some purple circles around right. some people's name. And Horrible. you can't always, you can't see what is the topic they're discussing. You can't even necessarily read the name, the names of the people in the room, which you can do on both Clubhouse and Green Room. It's a real just half-assed job. They're really absolutely blowing it. And there are all these, uh, everybody else is setting these type of things up. So maybe one of these days we could try a uh, Green Room. So you already downloaded uh, you already downloaded Green Room and tried it out. Yeah, all right. It's it's still you know all these things have a, sometimes it's a little buggy and if you have a weak internet connection, which I sometimes do, courtesy of the Spectrum garbage system that right. I have, that that'll complicate things. But yeah, I've I've tried it out. There have been again some of the discussions have been worthwhile. Some of them are stuff I have no interest in. Right. Some of them just seem to be uh, petty on both of these sites. So you got to really pick and choose. Like in one of them, I think Clubhouse, there was a boxing room with five or six guys in it. So I went on the thing, and they were all yelling at each other. I said, all right, 
goodbye. You know. Yeah, the one on Clubhouse, it, they talk mostly UFC stuff. That's why I don't even deal with them too much on Clubhouse. So I think we we covered a whole lot of different stuff here. Good job, Eddie. Great job. Thank you for keeping us informed. That's what I love. I'm an info yeah. junkie, so that definitely helps me throughout the day. <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> my need follow to us stuff. Yeah. Follow, follow us on, on what? On Twitter, on Instagram. I'm on Twitter at Angry Afro Radio. And Eddie, what, where are you at, man? Twitter is the best place at NHB News. My website, eddiegoldman.com. I'm on Patreon at patreon.com slash eddiegoldman where you get the, the premium No Holds Barred content where I'll discuss right. a lot of things. I'm really trying to elevate the level of the discussion about the combat sports to bring in bigger issues, not more than even just the, the ones, the immediate ones we've discussed on this show, but also some of the broader ethical and historical and right. political issues that have gone on. So my latest one is about the classic essay by George Orwell, where he really rips sports in general, where he says sports is uh, war minus the shooting and it, it unfailingly promotes ill will and all that. You could read it. I felt it was, it had a lot of insight, but it was also very one-sided. So hopefully we could get some discussion going about uh, these and other issues. And I think with the Olympics coming up, this, this potential disaster, we have to really uh, look at that as well. Right. This is the War Room, and we're talking sports justice with Eddie Goldman from No Holds Barred News. Thank you so much, Eddie, for dropping in. I appreciate your knowledge. You always drop the gems over here. Uh, you guys give him a follow at NHB News, and you guys give me a follow at Angry Afro Radio. I haven't been on Clubhouse in a minute, so I don't even want to talk about Clubhouse. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I'm going to check you out on, uh, on that green room, Eddie, for sure. All right? Yeah, when you, you get a chance, sign up and browse around. Since you're familiar with Clubhouse, it's, it's some of it similar. Right. All right, cool. All right, well, thanks again, Eddie. Love you, man. Thank you. Love you, too. So All right. Hello to everybody in the family, and we'll be right. talking again soon. All Take right. care. Peace. No Holds Barred is brought to you by LennyHart.com, the home of Lenny Hart, the legendary MMA and sports announcer, voice actor, singer, actress, and comedian. Lenny is also known for her jazz vocals with her Lenny Hart Jazz Cabaret Band. For more information, to book her, or to order a custom message from her, go to LennyHart.com. That's L-E-N-N-E-H-A-R-D-T dot com. And Skulls Fight Shop, home of the Skulls Double End Bag the perfect punching bag for your combat sports training. Skull's double-end bags provide a realistic striking target and help improve speed, distance, and timing skills. Hang it and hit it right out of the box. No pump required. Skull's Fight Shop, advancing combat sports equipment for the next generation of fighters. For more information, go to Skulls, that's S-K-U-L-L-Z, fightshop.com. And 
Adolfina Studios, original art prints and handcrafted fine jewelry. For more information, go to Etsy.com, that's E-T-S-Y.com, slash shop, slash Adolfina Studios, that's A-D-O-L-P-H-I-N-A Studios. Also, please subscribe to the No Holds Barred page on Patreon. For much more No Holds Barred content, that's at Patreon.com, slash Eddie Goldman. Now, you can also support our independent, no-holds-barred journalism by purchasing items such as t-shirts, hoodies, tank tops, mugs, pillows, masks, and even mini-skirts at the new No-Holds-Barred-With-Eddie-Goldman shop on Red Bubble. It has also been recommended to me that people choose sizes on the large side, as some items may run small. You can browse all the items for sale and then place an order at redbubble.com slash people slash Eddie Goldman. Hello everyone around the world. Welcome back. This is Eddie Goldman, No Holds Barred. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of the show. Thanks for listening. If you want to follow my site, my blog, the easiest way is go to eddiegoldman.com. For No Holds Barred, This has been Eddie Goldman.